Welcome back to your best year starts here. And at the end of the last episode, we were talking a lot about public commitments. And Nigel, you said something about just giving pages. And, you know, I don't know exactly where we were going with it because it's been, what, three, four weeks since we recorded that episode. But can you remember? Obviously, I can't remember. After two brain aneurysms and anemia, I can't remember anything. But I, I have an idea where I was going with it. And welcome to my home again. After having done our transatlantic podcast, it's nice for us to be in the same room. Absolutely. So if some people remember, literally this time last year, I made a commitment to lose weight. And I mm-hmm. did really well for my son's wedding. And then what tends to happen is once you have the big date, you start piling on a bit of weight and I put on some weight, and I'm now back losing weight, which is great. And I've lost the first 13 pounds. And Congratulations. We've got 27 to go. So, you know, we'll do it because I've got new dates. But I was thinking that if I did a Just Giving page, and I'm not because it's, it's, it's for me, but if I was literally doing it for a charity, and I publicly put it online, and people were committing to support me that way, which is what tends to happen with a lot of people who do marathons, who do some extraordinary things. They set up a Just Giving page, which 99.9% of it is free. There's a small admin charge, which yep. I think Facebook stroke Just Giving charge. But the concept of publicly committing your goals to a very large and wide uh, community makes it very, very real because you have two problems. One, you don't want to let them all down. And because in the old days, do you remember when you used to do a uh, sponsored quiet hour or two and you'd get your piece of paper and you go to grandma or mum and they'd sponsor you 5p, 10p. Some people who listen to this are thinking, how old am I? <laughs> but now you don't have that anymore because it's all done literally online. Yep. So you raise money through sponsorship that way. So you have this issue that you don't want to let people down. So part of your goal is you need to do it to make sure you don't let people down. So when I was doing my wait for my son's wedding, people could see either the videos and I was weighing myself every Monday and if people knew. But if you do a Just Giving page, not only are you telling the world what's going on, but people are also seeing other messages. So if you've got a big commitment to make this year and it's going to do well for a community, set up a Just Giving page and let your goal be public to not just only your local friends, but it can go viral. I mean, there was... You know, every week there's something on Facebook that's some horrific story. And within minutes, they've raised thousands and thousands of pounds. You know if it's legit. You know if it's professional. You know if it's the right thing to do. So I'm not doing a Just Giving page for my weight. I am losing it. I'm back on a, a regimented diet that works for me before anyone starts sending me tips and ideas. But it's interesting that we've said this before about goal setting. When you put it out to the universe, that's a very big crowd watching you. Whereas if you write it down just for yourself, there's a very good chance that you'll end up doing the Monday morning diets, which is, I'll I'll do it next Monday, and I'll do it next Mm -hmm. Monday. Nobody really knows. It's interesting, actually, saying about um, doing things for, you know, for charity, using Just Giving, whatever. The first, and you mentioned marathons, the first marathon that I ran was the Edinburgh Marathon. uh, Try to think which year it was in, 2013. I ran the Edinburgh Marathon and I was running for the Cystic Fibrosis Trust. 
Okay, which is actually a charity that's very close to my heart because one of my cousin's sons was born with cystic fibrosis and actually you know lost his life to it at the age of eighteen. So it's it's had a very direct impact on my family, and it's something I, you know I'm very aware of. Um, and I chose them as my charity for this event, and I ran in one of their um, you know one of their vests. Okay, and there was a point I think probably around fifteen sixteen miles into this race where I was flagging a bit for whatever. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd done all the training and I was doing okay, but something I think in my head had like hit me around 15, 16 miles. And I'm like, oh, I'm not sure I want to carry on, you know? And a guy ran up behind me in the same vest, tapped me on the shoulder as I was slowing down almost to a walking pace and said, remember what you're doing this for. And that was all it took. And- I thought you were going to go a different place, that when the elephants and the rhinos overtook you, which is yeah, always no, amazing no, no. when they're carrying 800 <laughs> kilos of yeah, weight. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> but and, and, you know, the other thing with that is, if I mean, it, there's a, it's highly unlikely the guy's listening to this, right? But his name was Ken. That's all I know about him is his name was Ken because he had Ken written on his vest and he was wearing the same vest as me. And, you know, as he, as he ran on past me, I, I picked my pace back up and, I, you know, I finished the race. Um, but it was that sense of... I'm not only, whilst I'm doing this for me, I'm not only doing this for me, which gives me an even greater reason to succeed and to complete it. What's really interesting is that one of the reasons why people run a public event like that, and when they run like the London Marathon, my wife is on the London Marathon, is that the public support you get, which the extra cheering keeps you going. Now, some people may know and may not know that I sometimes do firewalks for clients. And there are two different types of firewalks. There's the fire walk where everyone's cheering and there's lots of noise. <clears throat> oh, and there can be a lot of noise, right? And you're getting carried away because of the noise. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then I do what's called a silent, silent fire walk. And the reason I do it in silence is because very often when the shit hits the fan, you don't have the adulation of the London Marathon crowd. You don't have thousands of people watching you. You might be in your office. You might be on the road. You might be going into an appointment and there's just you... And the silence. Yep. And when there's just you in the silence and you need that kick to get you going, if you can lean towards risk and if you can conquer that inner voice that says, I just can't go on. So when I do a silent fire walk, I'm literally standing with my back to the fire. I'm, I'm talking to the guy in front of me to get him focused. I'm not saying very much. I'm breathing with them. And I step to the left and they walk across the fire and all you can hear is the crunch of the coals mm-hmm. under their toes. And obviously when they reach the end and they put their feet in the water to get rid of any coals that are in between their toes, then we make a noise. Yeah. And a lot of people say that's the most powerful thing they've done in their lives. Not necessarily the fire walk, but that silence of facing your fear yep. and crossing those coals. So to all our le- listeners, to all our listeners out there today... You may not always have a cheering band. You may not have a cheering squad. You may not have all the applause. What do you need to do that if you knew no one was watching and you knew no one was listening and you made a commitment, what would you do? Because it's easy to give up if you haven't made a public commitment. Yeah. And too often, most of our listeners, it's too hard. It's too wet. You know, I did a video about eight or nine weeks ago walking my dog and and you could virtually not see my face. It was lashing down. I said, but that's the commitment you make when you have a dog. Yep. There was me in a field 
the mud up to the top of my Wellington boots. Alfie, my dog, doesn't care. But he's got to go out. But it'd be very easy to have walked around the block, come home, and say, well, I've walked him. Yeah. That isn't the same as in running fields. And it's tough. This weather is tough. Making commitments is tough. But if you have a big enough why, the how will show up. Yeah. And we've mentioned that before. It's interesting. It's the difference as well between... So I've run things like the London Marathon, Edinburgh Marathon, you know, marathons on streets with people lining the street, cheering you on and all that kind of stuff. I've also run cross-country marathons where you see hardly a soul. And I've run ultra marathons where you're running through the night in the dark with nobody there, cross-country, etc. And it, it's a bit like you just described with the different types of firewalks. You get a completely different experience. You know, if you're trying to run 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 miles where there isn't a cheering squad, you need to be able to be your own. And you need to have a strong enough reason in your own head that says, I'm going to keep, because the thing is, doing that kind of distance, you will hurt. You know, you probably will get bad weather. You will. Like that's going to be a surprise. But that's my point. But these things will come up, you know, and you've got to have a way of bringing yourself through them and recognize that a lot of those things are normal. And, you know, just picking up your example of uh, walking the dog in the rain. The first time I ran an ultramarathon, it was a multi-day event. So it was but it was spaced over four days, okay? And um, I think it was the... Was it the second or the third morning? I think it was the third morning. I woke up to my alarm going off and the sound of rain literally lashing down on my tent. You know, it was, it was horrendous. And as you open the door of the tent, it's like, I don't even want to walk across to the food tent to get breakfast. You know, that's how bad this weather is. And we know how we like food. And I'm about to go and run 30 miles on it, you know, and finding, you know, dry shoes and all this kind of stuff. I don't know why I bothered. I mean, I put on a waterproof coat that was so wet within probably a mile or two because the weather was that horrific that day. But that's where the inner coach, which we've spoken about, exactly. has to step in. And you do need to be your own coach, your own cheering squad, but it's tough sometimes, and everyone has... I, I, I was trying to find another word for shit, so I'll just say it. We have shit in our lives. Yep. And, you know, everyone has these grand illusions of uniqueness that we think we're the only ones that have got these issues. There's very few people in the world who don't have issues. Absolutely. But often when you're on your own, that inner voice, that demon hits you, and you've got to quieten that voice by saying, you know what, I can do it, I am enough, I am enough. One more step, one more step. And that Al Pacino film, Any Given Sunday, which was, you know, inch by inch, it's a cinch. Yep. But yard by yard, it's hard. Yep. So how do we keep working that extra inch? How do we do that extra walk? And in the next episode, I'm going to share how sometimes you can avoid these catastrophes because you kind of know they're going to come up for you. And what do you do to avoid stuff that if you really planned it well, you could probably avoid some of it? It's. I mean, again... I think that's a, that's a really cool thing for us to pick up as we get into the next episode, but just quickly on that now, I think it's also, it's recognising what's normal for certain situations, isn't it? You know, if you have kids, you know there are certain things you expect a newborn baby to do, and then there are different behaviours you expect a toddler to do, there's different behaviours you expect a preschooler to do, and yes, if it's your first child, you might not know what all of those things are, but there are plenty of other people who've had kids that can point you in the right direction. Exactly. You know, whereas if you've never had that experience, you can go, why is this thing happening? 
and it's understanding and it's you know same if you're starting a business or whatever it's like what's normal for where i am at this stage in the event and for me going back to the ultra marathon putting the weather to one side because i hadn't i if i'm honest i hadn't really prepared for that other than the fact that i'd bought different clothes for different you know weather conditions in case i needed them what had happened there was a guy that i'd spoken to probably only three four weeks before i ran the race who'd run multiple ultra marathons and he'd prepared me for some of the emotions that were going to come up and you know most people when they're thinking about running they're not thinking about emotions that's the big word that will come on to next month Next month or next week? And next week as well. <laughs> so actually, the buzzer just went off, so it's probably a good place to wrap this episode up. Um, we will be back next week, and we will talk about emotions. We will talk about planning. We will talk about how to prepare yourself to deal with situations that you don't even know are going to happen. See you next week. Your best year, it starts right here.